Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Namaste, yogis. This is Andrew Seeley here to welcome you to the Yoga Revealed podcast. Today's guest is a modern-day thought leader and a mindful activist. Waylon Lewis is the founder and executive director of Elephant Journal. He is an internationally recognized publisher of one of the most popular online wellness publications in the world. For over 14 years, he has dedicated his life to sharing the most compelling stories of social justice environmental sustainability, conscious politics, and the ever-growing yoga community. Waylon's knack for asking the right questions led him to create his very own show called The Walk the Talk Show, where he interviews some of the world's most influential activists and social justice leaders. Listen close as Waylon shares three key tips to sustaining your energy to positively influence and become a community leader. Because no matter how vast or select your friend group is, we all have influence and can make a change in this world. When you're trying to fill every inch of your life with stuff, you're missing out on a lot of connection. Be prepared to become the informant of your community as Waylon reveals how to create more purposeful unity on this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. Brings me great honor to have the one and only Waylon here on the Yoga Revealed podcast to share his journey of not only yoga, but conscious activism. All right. And I'm super stoked to be right here in Boulder at your beautiful office, right in the heart of downtown. And it's an absolutely gorgeous day. It is stunning <laughs> out there. Yeah, it's a huge uh, honor, but even more a pleasure to have you here. Oh, um, the only downside is that I feel like you're not here forever. Oh. <laughs> it definitely, it would be great to have you here. So your smile is uh, refreshing. Definitely. I yeah. mean, I love Boulder. It's an absolutely yeah. refreshing place for me to be every time that I come cool. here because fresh air. 
you know yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't get that much fresh air when yeah. you're over in venice but yeah um we do have the beach so that's keeps, right keeps me there you have some water <laughs> we have the creek we don't have a lot of water uh, yeah. it's still absolutely gorgeous and i spent this weekend over at hanuman festival mm-hmm. uh, got to see you over at the farmer's market that's right and really get a feel and a vibe for this communal uh just environment and how mm. everyone's so interconnected mm. and it really just brings me to how interconnected you are with your community and how you have become this influential leader. I would call you a thought leader because you're presenting all these amazing thoughts through your publication of Elephant Journal. Mm. Um, With Yoga Revealed, we like to start in how your path was first revealed to you. Hmm. Uh, Well, I grew up here in Boulder. Mm -hmm. Uh, My childhood home was like five minute bike, one minute bike ride that direction, five minute like... (laughs) walk and um my parents were uh you know dad was from new york mom was from la they met in the middle um and they were early kind of hippie students of this guy trunk Rumshe, this buddhist teacher yeah um and the whole buddhist kind of uh mo is basically um how can you be a benefit to others and others includes the planet and animals and yourself but quite importantly um so it's not some sort of martyrdom thing Mm-hmm. And the higher path, even higher than that path, is how can you be a benefit to others, the planet, animals, yourself, with joy, yeah, with a sense of humor and appreciation. And I feel like you're a good example of that. So I think, you know, that's sort of what I was raised to, you know, like some people are raised to want to be a great musician or a great uh, baseball player or a great business person or a great adventurer, and all those are fine pursuits. I was sort of raised to you know, I was given, I was trained in meditation and all these things. And, um, and I, God, I needed it because hmm. I was a, you know, typically kind of crazy kid. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, so elephant is hopefully an expression of just trying to create that community and, and help people. Cause you know, people look happy, hopefully around the world, but, um, yeah. there's a lot of suffering, whether it's, um, apparent or not in everyday life and there's also a lot of wonderfulness about life so if we can point out how to enjoy life in a genuine way and how to um, you know work with suffering um, in a compassionate way that's the truth man you know then we live a life that's of fulfillment right exactly the more that we can give and share with others the more that we actually see that value full circle Right, yeah. If you just have, like, you know from your life, I mean, you're always running around, traveling, spreading, you know, you're you're teaching yoga and spreading joy. And if you just have a your good gated community set up, mm-hmm. it's not actually that fun. Yeah. You might have a, your own basketball court, but no one to play with. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> totally true. Uh, so I wanted to really dig deep into how Elephant Journal came to be. Um, you know, what were your thought processes or what actually brought you to saying, you know, I'm going to create this publication that's not only going to be an online portal for people to find realization and for people to find more resources to help them in their spiritual path, but also to highlight some of the most beneficial, what I would call just events. And um, you guys do a lot of coverage of events, a lot of coverage of, you know, what's happening in the world. Mm. And so I think that we, we would like to hear more about how that came to be. Well, the basic idea of Elephant is to be an independent 
uh, i.e. our goal is not to sell out to the man eventually, unlike <laughs> a lot of businesses, are an independent voice for a mindful, sane, compassionate take on anything that's going on in the world or in us. So whether it's relationships or, you know, a tragedy like just happened in Orlando, hopefully we can be a voice not of blame, not of bigotry, not of hate, not of, um, you know, further kind of aggression, but a voice of um, a reference point for uh, love, I guess, yeah. on some level. Um, so... I mean, I think all of us, we whatever we wind up doing, if it's that notion, right livelihood, where we're doing something we love and it's a benefit, um, it just comes from our kind of who we are. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I grew up in this Buddhist family. I was a bit of an environmentalist as I grew up. And um, I uh, have a love for politics and the public service. Mm -hmm. and, um, and then I love to write. And I studied journalism. So you kind of put all that together and you kind of get something like elephant. Mm -hmm. So, and I'm sure it's the same in your life and anyone who's listening. You look at the ingredients of your life and you mix them up and you say, how can I do something that I love based on that stuff that's a benefit and you got right livelihood? Truth. Definitely. Um, yeah. Doesn't mean it's easy. It's <laughs> nice. It could mean you're, you're like, gosh. So, so tell me, like, when did Elephant Journal actually come to be? Yeah, so we've been around for almost 14 years now, which uh, makes me feel kind of old. Um, a lot of my staff people were like in, in uh, you know, first grade or something when I started. Um, yeah. But uh, um, so I partnered with this fellow, Travis, who was um, trying to start a local, a local or regional yoga publication called Yoga in the Rockies. Mm. And um, he wasn't a journalist and he was a good businessman and a good person. He, his wife was a student and teacher at Richard Freeman's yoga workshop. Oh, okay. With Mary Taylor and cool. Um, but he was struggling to like create a magazine because it wasn't something he particularly knew how to do. And I didn't really know how to do it, but I'd studied journalism and I'd worked for Shambhala Mountain Center in, in uh, program development and wow. marketing and PR. So I kind of had a good mentor there in business. Mm -hmm. And I just started selling ads and like getting a designer and getting articles and editing them and it was fun and I was like really I don't know if I was good at it but I really enjoyed it and I was kind of good at it mm -hmm. and you know I certainly learned a lot but over the course of the next couple of issues but um, you know I knew nothing about distribution I knew nothing about half the business but yeah. so we had this print magazine Travis dropped out very early on he, I always say he was smarter than me <laughs> and realized that it was going to be a tough road uh, the longevity is the yeah. key yeah, but I mean, it, financially, it was, you know, probably three years before I paid myself a living wage, and wow. I didn't have savings. I spent my $13,000 of life savings on starting it. Uh, I feel you. The first issue. Yoga yeah. revealed, baby. Yoga That's revealed. Right. All revealed my love. <laughs> Just here. <laughs> and um, But it was fun. You know, there was some level of, like, it felt good and creating community, and people appreciated and connected, and... Um, you know, if the cost of that is eating day-old muffins and sleeping on people's couches for a while, um, it's kind of fun. You know? Yeah. And uh, so it went national eventually as a print magazine. We I renamed it Elephant, um, uh, partially for many reasons, which I could go into, but basically so that it could be about anything, not just yoga in the Rockies, but it could be about... Um, sort of the whole world from a yogic or Buddhist or mindful point of view. And I didn't want people to have to be yogis to connect with this mm -hmm. content. That's a beautiful way of presenting it because I feel that 
the beauty of elephants is that they're mm. wise mm. and they're very versatile, you know, and mm. to think of an elephant, that brings me to like this idea of a wisdom keeper that mm. travels and mm. that can be anywhere at any time. And mm. I think that elephant journal is a beautiful name for that. So. Mm. Well, thank you. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, elephants, like who doesn't love an elephant? So they're, mm. they're matriarchal, they're vegan, which is crazy. So they're so big They're uh, they mourn their dead. Mm-hmm. They're um, obviously symbolic of man's and woman's relationship to nature or our, in many cases, negative relationship to nature because elephants are very vulnerable. They need a lot of room to, as you were saying, to move around and mm-hmm. um, they can be poached obviously quite uh, easily. Um, and, you know, Ganesh in the yoga tradition and the elephant sacred in the Buddhist tradition. And um, even politically, you know, it's the name of the, it's the symbol of the Republican Party. So mm-hmm. I've always joked that we're reclaiming the elephant from the GOP. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Um, but so it went national as a magazine. It was pretty fun and relatively successful. Our office, ironically, is actually just next door, 20 feet away, like <laughs> eight nine ten years ago and so so much has happened in this little vortex right here yeah yeah mostly cafes though i usually just work out on my laptop in a cafe Mm -hmm. um and like in 2002 when we started i was i went to go work in vix cafe here in boulder and no one took their laptops to a cafe and they had the first wi-fi in boulder and (laughs) my partner travis was like what you're working you're doing your work in a cafe like (laughs) that's crazy um (laughs) So, hey, just you're to a date thought myself. leader, man. You're a yeah, thought right. leader ahead of the curve. Yeah, well, it's very anti-social work. You know, you're online all the time. Social media, ironically, is incredibly isolating and anti-social in mm-hmm. a way. So, to remain human and connected, it's often helpful for me to not be in a a little enclosed space. Yeah, yeah. that's good. You know? So then we were a magazine. Then we, as we started getting big, um, the environmental costs started getting worse. We we're on great eco paper and. But magazines get shipped all over the country, and then most of them get thrown away um, mm-hmm. or recycled. But recycling is super energy intensive yeah. for magazines. You have to take the inks out. So it didn't feel eco-responsible. So I jumped online and um, gave up the office and lost my staff, and house went into foreclosure, and I just kind of rebuilt the whole thing. Wow. Online. From the ground up. You just yeah. like immediately knew that the best way to go was paperless. Yeah, I mean, it took me a while to make that leap. You know, mm-hmm. it's sort of like falling on your, a sword. You know, oh. I was briefly having some success and paying my mortgage, you know. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. <laughs> but, yeah, at a certain point it became obvious. I just, you know, it was, we can put up a blog right now. You know, we can put up a video of you or something right now. Someone in Mongolia with Wi-Fi can connect and watch it right now for free. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of magical. It's like Harry Potter, basically, yeah. as opposed to this sort of static print thing, which we all love, but yeah, it's got a serious environmental cost. Definitely. So. so Elephant Journal as a whole, I mean, how many staff members do you guys have now? Um, I think we have like in the mid-20s. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. everyone works remotely and just kind of mm-hmm. does their own thing? Yeah, um, most of our staff, as you can tell, doesn't live in Boulder, and even the people in Boulder are not required to be at the office 100% of the time. That's beautiful. Um, so, you know, typically uh, there's like five people or something in the office, and the, the rest of them all live all over the country because we post in every time zone. So all night, you know, there's we have two Australians, I think, and one Slovenian, and one lady who's been in Africa for a couple of years, and two United Kingdomers, and... 
wow. it's kind of all over. And uh, and then we have a couple Canadians, and um, you know, it's just we're we're disper- dispersed. And there's a couple staff members I, I've worked with for almost four years who I've never met. <laughs> that's so wild. Yeah, but that's honestly beautiful that you have a secular staff. You have mm. people from all around the world who mm. are putting in their value, putting in their mm-hmm. their word, and. Yeah creating this amazing publication that is really something that I feel caters to the whole world. Mm. And that's, that's a huge benefit. Um, well, you know, we Americans have such a sort of um, worldview that is dependent on America. Mm-hmm. So it's a great reminder that half our staff is like, well, you know, things are <laughs> different over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. good to know. Yeah. It's good to know. So, in the current state of time, I mean, we're, you know, we just finished, uh, I guess, people went in and voted mm. for our good old primary, right? Mm. And, you know, it's either Bernie or Hillary, and, I mean, it looks like just Trump. Yeah. Uh, and so we, we live in a very, what I would call like a fragile state in time. Mm. I want to hear your opinion on how important it is for the conscious community to be informed about the political state of the world. Well, what do you think? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm asking the question. Okay. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> no, no. I, I mean, Sean Corn, our friend, is a great example of that. Yeah. It's like, even if you're going to vote for Trump, mm-hmm. you know, this is audio, so I'm making a weird expression right now. <laughs> even if you're going to vote for Trump, it's important to take part in the political process. So even if you're going to vote for Jill Stein or whomever, that's great. Um, Be active and be hopefully be informed and vote. You know, Elephant doesn't tell people how to vote, although we do. We we do make endorsements, but our values are what guide us. So Mm -hmm. you know, we're going to vote for the candidate who will best um, fight in quotes for peace, for equality, for environmental. Um, and social justice mm-hmm. um, and even if that candidate is far from uh, perfect um, if they're far better in, in those respects we'll support them but you know even if someone's going to vote for uh, <clears throat> you know you know, it's important that they just participate and I think Elephant you know we, we actually I got in a huge argument with a editor this weekend she someone wrote an article saying hey Hillary's clinched it even though she's not perfect, it's time that we get behind her and stop this Trump thing. And mm-hmm. um, and the editor was a huge Bernie fan. Yeah. And I'm a Bernie fan. I donated to Bernie. But I also, like Bernie himself has said, am good at arithmetic and can see the writing on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it may not be clinched, but it's basically clinched. And yeah. um, so she wasn't... A big fan of this article and she basically rejected it and I was not happy with that because if um, you know someone wants, wants to write a pro-Trump article I'll, I'll print it mm-hmm. um, the web unlike magazines is this magical um, thing where comments and the community can play half the role in any given yep. article so if I put up a to use a non-political example if I put up a video about meditation instruction but I get something wrong or I say something offensive, or I'm clumsy about something, um, I'll hear about it in the yeah. comments. And that, as long as those comments are constructive, that's really helpful mm-hmm. to readers because they can see that, well, this article may be pro-Trump, and maybe, and we would only publish it if it's thoughtful and if it's somewhat reasonable and if it's um, got some sources. Yeah, if it's informed. Yeah, but then the comments can be like, hey, you know, 
I don't think Trump is going to be great for America because of X, Y, Z, you know. Mm -hmm. So we're not here to tell people how to think. We are here to kind of mandate that discussion is um, that people, Americans particularly, need to remember how to um, agreeably disagree. Truth. That that someone on the other uh, side isn't evil necessarily, Mm -hmm. you know. That's so the truth because I feel that so often we become separated by our beliefs. And Hmm. when we believe something that literally takes us apart from understanding how to relate to one another, then it literally puts us apart and brings forth what I would call just like disorder. And, And right now I feel that in our current state of time, like this is the most important time for us to be in order and to be more united through our social justice, through our environmental justice, and through the livelihood of us as a human race. Mm. Because when it comes down to it, we're here to thrive on this earth with all the organisms that are here upon this earth. And with that being said, we need someone who's going to stand up for our livelihood as a country, but also our livelihood as a human race. Yeah. Well said. I mean, right now, you know, there's all these articles about the ocean reefs are all bleaching and dying. And uh, we may be like, who cares? You know, I'm, I'm more focused on what I'm going to have for lunch or who I'm dating or how my job is going or how it, can I pay my rent or, you know, my daily life. But the fact is humans' actions are killing the founding organisms of the ocean that all the fish feed upon and half of humanity feeds upon those fish. And at a certain point, it's like you realize you're in an ecosystem mm-hmm. and what we do, whether to a fellow human being or in a good or bad way or to nature, which is part of us, will come back to us. Yeah. And I think that that's the, the fundamental understanding that whoever our presidential candidate is or whoever our next president is needs to know is that hmm. we are literally nature. Our essence is natural. Right. Therefore, to coexist in this ecosystem, we must be mindful of that. And I feel that with that being said, it's it's evident that Bernie, I feel, was my first choice totally for the presidential election. But we live in a very interesting time where... I'm I'm just I I don't know if it's the lack of education or the limited beliefs but it's just very interesting to see um just from my perspective I would say that that people even have a a viewpoint that someone uh that someone who stands for such extreme approaches it can even be put in the same candidate race. It's just very interesting right. to me. Yeah. Well, I would I would be pretty positive about that. I mean, I lived in Vermont when Bernie was our mayor in Burlington and then congressman. And he's a, I mean, again, I'm saying this as a fan. He's a nutty, like, he's pretty much too old, you know, <laughs> like, safety-wise to elect him as a president, one of the most taxing jobs ever. It's mm-hmm. pretty intense. 
Um, he had no financial backing, which was part of the reason we all loved him. He was the only candidate clearly walking his talk against Citizens United. Um, and he came with this close to, and he's not even a Democrat, really, he's an independent. Yeah. He came this close to taking over the Democratic Party. And he's meeting with Hillary on, I think, Thursday. And he's going to say, you know, before I release my delegates and before I, you know, go all in and support you, I need to know that, you know, we're going to start rolling back all the tuition hikes and we're going to start doing all the different things that he's been fighting for. Mm-hmm. But I would say the fact that he or Obama or Howard Dean before him have been able to, you know, Obama was an underdog, uh, to have these uh, successful campaigns or very successful to different degrees um, based on like $25 donations on the internet is, is a wonderful, inspiring example. But I feel that that's the, that is what our government should be based on, sure. is power to the people, yeah. you know, yeah. is really empowering people to be able to support yeah. those who are truly invested yeah. in change. Yeah, I'm just saying that's starting to happen, which, you know, a lot of us are disappointed about Bernie. He is the candidate of a generation. I don't think we're going to see another one that kind of uh, clear about his principles, mm-hmm. his or her principles. But uh, he came really, I mean, what we accomplished was, I mean... Stunning to me, at least. Yeah. And on the other side, you have this sort of reactionary, bigoted, you know, keep Muslims out, you know, women or whatever. Yeah. Um, against gays Trump. and just, yeah, you know. Every, kind of against everyone, unless you're like uh, an obsequious white, you know, hopefully hot female <laughs> or something. Hopefully like the hot. way Trump treats people is that they're, you know, they're um, things, not people, really. Yeah. And uh, and they're either things supporting him or not. So, um, you know, on some level, I think it's kind of the dying gasp of this. A lot of good people are freaked out about changes. You know, they're losing their jobs, the Walmartization and the Amazonization of, you know, everything's being made in China or mm-hmm. environmental protections and jobs are just going, going away. And as Obama said recently, like a lot of them are coming back. Technology is replacing a lot of people. Yeah. Whether it's at the checkout aisle in Home Depot or your library, you know. Yeah. Or in an auto manufacturing plant where 90% of the jobs are done by robots now. Wow. You know, it's like Terminator is <laughs> becoming real. It's technology. I mean, yeah. the, the beauty of it is that we can share so much information, but yeah. I guess the downfall of it is that it makes people become more creative because they have to find new ways yeah. to value and to earn value and you could be 50 and you could have three kids in college and you could have to like go back to school and learn a whole new job i mean it's very scary yeah for people and people including yourself and myself really want some stability and the fact is like this world is moving fast and unless you're pretty lucky you're not going to have a lot of stability yeah the only way to survive is to continue to evolve (laughs) yeah that right there so i think hopefully elephant is is in some small way trying to guide people how to use this technology in a mindful, helpful way. Definitely. Um, so with that being said, I wanted to kind of, um, or actually, we'll just, Dean, cut. Um, you can actually turn off the camera because it'll, it'll just, yeah, the battery will go out. And if you pull the little button on the side down, yeah, perfect. Now it'll be really quiet. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted a preview for it. Cool. Thanks, Dean. That's our sound editor. Oh, cool. Thank you, Dean. <laughs> um, so with the, the current state of the world, what do you feel 
as a communal leader, as someone who has a community of followers, as an influencer, is our role to help bring forth consciousness in our communities? Um, well, that's a great. I mean, that is the question for all of us. I think, first of all, um, you know, from a Buddhist point of view, there aren't really leaders, particularly there's servants. And if you're serving a lot of people, then you could be a leader in a sense. But so the greatest role is to be of service, um, not necessarily to be like, you know, have your little photo in the yoga brochures or whatever. Um, um, so, I mean, the main thing all of us can do is really walk our talk. And I think, um, you know, I think that's one of the things that drives me nuts about some of the yoga conferences, uh, which I used to attend and have my little photo in the brochures for years. And uh, there's a lot of people talking about love and there's a lot of people doing kirtan or dancing around um, or hula hooping or whatever. But 90% um, of us are wearing plastic yoga pants that are manufactured in China. Um, you know, 90, a lot of us are using plastic water bottles. Um, that's sorry. right. A little chaos is fine. <laughs> um, you know, so any way that we can kind of be eco and socially, social justice responsible uh, in our daily lives and not do it out of a sense of like um, arrogance. Like I'm vegan, but a lot of vegans can be kind of, uh, aggressive about veganism, which is yeah. ironic because veganism is about, you know, kindness, kindness. compassion. Yeah. And I find if I'm at a big, I always get, I get asked like five times a week why I'm vegan at some dinner table. And it's always awkward because then they blame you for talking about veganism. <laughs> but my approach is usually just to be like, you know, I think whatever you're doing is fine. It's none of my business really, mm -hmm. but here's why I'm doing it. And, um, and then kind of move on. Like you can lead by example instead of kind of soapboxing people. Yeah, stuffing it down people's throat. Right. But at the same time, it is important to take a lot of stands um, in a non-arrogant way and say, how can I contribute to my community, to myself? Um, I mean, there's a reason cancer rates have skyrocketed the presence of toxic chemical cleaners, which I see used in a lot of yoga studios, um, are out of control and you know with hot yoga like that's a huge environmental cost yeah you know get some solar panels up there like whatever we can do as a yoga community as any whoever we're talking to um, to really as Sean Korn and others are so great about talking about it like bring it off the mat because it's really the world yeah it's there's nothing more selfish than spirituality that is using all the world's spirituality for me yeah so if I can use it for me so I can become kinder and a better person and then give it away now um that's then it's more fun like we were talking about before mm -hmm. you know and then it's not this sort of like uh you know surface superficial spirituality it's actually you can feel it in people who have that kind of sadness and compassion you know they're thinking about the suffering in the world they're feeling it mm -hmm. you know they're thinking about orlando or they're thinking about um whatever injustice is happening you know there's Plenty, plenty of it. Yeah, yeah, whether it's rape or, you know, women's rights or black rights or um, just equal rights generally. Uh, class rights that Bernie talks about all the time. Um, equality. Um, there's so many issues. I mean, climate change is going to be incredibly painful for the next 80 years. Um, causing mass migrations and droughts and, you know, yeah, what have you. So, anyway, there's a lot of work for us to do and it can be fun if we're all doing it together. So that's why I think, you know, it's important not to think of ourselves as leaders because that's, in a way, it's like it's all put on you then. Mm -hmm. You have to work your butt off all year long to be a benefit to the world while we all just sit back and 
look for something to watch on Netflix. <laughs> oh, I already watched House of Cards. <laughs> you know. You know. Yeah, so, so being of service, how how do you sustain the service while at the same time fulfilling your well and making yeah. sure that you have the the equity and the uh-huh. self, you know, uh-huh. this is what I would call just self-esteem to be able to give. Like what are what are some of the practices that you use to be able to refill yourself to be able to be such an influential person in the services that you provide? Well, there's two kinds of service. One is sort of arrogant and kind of is built on preconceptions. Mm-hmm. It's like I go to some quote unquote third world country and I say, Oh, these people need what we have. They need, you know, good roads and they need good shoes and they need Teslas and they need, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of actually going there and listening and learning. So there's sort of an arrogant way to try and help people like you need what we have, or there's a, um, treating people like equals and saying, how can I help? How can mm-hmm. I be of service? And that usually is based on your own heart instead of your kind of your mind. Um, it's built, built on empathy and saying, well, you know, I feel compassion. I feel empathy. I am inspired to try and help. How can I help? And, um, and then it becomes like a team sport instead of this kind of, um, one man show. Yeah, and the one-man show doesn't even really help people, typically. Um, there's all kinds of examples of international aid just failing, them pouring billions of dollars into stuff, and it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so on a, on a more internal or spiritual level, if it's coming from a genuine, soft, open place of listening and of feeling, um, then it doesn't tire you out. In Buddhism, they actually say, um, if you enjoy service your energy is limitless and i think you're a great example of that i mean you're a busy guy yeah but if you get all self-important and you take yourself too seriously and you feel too isolated and full of yourself then you're going to get tired because oh the world's weight is on my shoulders no one appreciates me this you know people are treating me wrong or something but you're not like that you're open and you're enjoying it and you're present Mm -hmm. and then it's like you can and then you take care of yourself hopefully you eat good food and you sleep and you do whatever you need to do you exercise Mm -hmm. um you engage with friends and loved ones and and then you're kind of replenished continually and the trick is they're replenished too instead of it's like you're coming in and um being this sort of arrogant leader which is exhausting i don't know how trump does it (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he doesn't have much hair, so... Yeah, right. It's burning him out. Uh, With that being said, I feel like a lot of um, what you're speaking of kind of just seeps down to our relationships and uh, brings me to reveal your book and more about what that's all about and how we can integrate those really conscious relationships to help to fulfill us to continue to be able to serve others. Well, I think a lot of, you know, there's some great quotes about it that I put in the book, actually, uh, from others. Um, a lot of relationships, again, are built on this sort of like this rom-com kind of you complete me um, fantasy thing. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a great quote that says, until you're actually kind of good with yourself, until you love yourself, you're not going to be able to meet someone fully and and be open with them fully and actually fall in love. Mm-hmm. 
I think in, in Buddhism, the, the wedding vows are called um, ultimate uh, friendship or something like that. So if it's just, you know, like you have your best friends in your life, mm-hmm. it's not this roller coaster of melodramatic, maybe ego-based emotions. Obviously, you have tough times with best friends, you have good times, but overall, there's a stability and there's an honesty, hopefully, mm-hmm. at the base of that, and a sense of humor and affection. Um, love is basically that, but obviously it's spiced with a little <laughs> chaotic, uh, you know, attraction and yeah. other fun things, which are awesome, but also can make it all like... Very emotional. Very intense, <laughs> yeah. So um, I think there's an idea that a lot of love is will mean that we can get rid of our loneliness and kind of get away from part of ourself so we never have to feel that again and from a buddhist point of view it's the opposite if you can be um open and raw and um appreciative and and uh heartfelt your entire life then you can be in love with everyone and everything and your day and yourself and that's the notion of maitri which mm-hmm. pema children talks a lot about great buddhist teacher pema um maitri is Loving kindness. I mean, a lot of Buddhist teachers talk about it. It's yeah. my favorite thing to talk about. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, I think love starts here. And that's a tough path because we all have battles with ourselves, whether it's our how we look or how we feel or our childhood or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And so in the sense of starting love with yourself, um, in your book, do you go into depth as to, you know, how the steps that we take to actually become more loving and more self-caring with ourselves so that we can actually bring that compassion to our hearts and then be able to share it with others. Damn, that was a good quote right there. Um, Just cut that out, make that the video. (laughs) Um, Yeah, well, the book is actually written from an experiential kind of uh, poetic point of view. So it's actually a description of my love life, basically. Mm. Um, and uh, as, I, as I was getting close to 40 years old, I'm 41 now, I was writing this and it was a feeling of like, I need to finally figure out what I'm looking for and what kind of love could I possibly commit to? Because mm. it's easy to fall in love and commit to that. But it's really hard to fall in love, commit to that, and then keep committing to that for 40 more years or mm-hmm. something, which is what I would like to do if I'm going to promise to be with someone in sickness and health and richer and poorer and good and bad, happy and sad, I want to mean it. And and so the book was sort of a quest to answer that question. How could I possibly mean something when change is fundamental to life? Like what if my loved one wanted to go off and dance in France for, dance in France for (laughs) five years, you know? Would I be okay with that? I hope so. I want to support them in their path. But at the same time, what does that mean for us? And I just made this vow. So how, so it's, it's a very personal, almost, uh, poetic book it's not really a um uh buddhist teachings particularly although it's coming out of that and reflecting on those teachings mm-hmm. um but it's also hopefully more fun to read than perhaps my next book will be which might be a little more practical you know well, my next book is called self-help is bad for you <laughs> and it's and it's uh it's a bit more about how to stop trying to aggressively be this better person mm-hmm. and and just kind of let go like the Buddha did ultimately yeah. and and be present with what's actually going on. Yeah, I feel that's that's actually a huge a huge subject in the yoga community now is mm-hmm. that there's so many people that are literally hard on themselves. Mm-hmm. And because they're so hard on themselves, they're not actually doing yoga. 
there's no sense of self-compassion. There's no sense right. of allowing yourself to align with what's right for your body so that you can manifest what's right for your world. Mm. Um, I feel so often that, you know, we live in this conscious community and the comparison of others is what drives us to trying to become better. Whereas really we should try to become better for ourselves, for our own integrity mm. of being able to shine the truth that's within our hearts. I mean, that's my tree, what you just said. That's well said. Yeah. And I think it's particularly exacerbated now by we're all on Instagram and a lot of yoga teachers are young and conventionally beautiful, including yourself. Good looking. Thank you. Thank you. And, I um, practice every morning. Yeah. Yeah. Oil. <laughs> um, polish. Um, but, uh, you know, that can be really hard for people who, you know... Um, are comparing, you know, that expression comparison is the thief of joy. And that's why I really appreciate a lot of the Instagrammers to their credit, go out of their way to say, look, I'm just as messed up and messy and human as anyone else. And I'm on this path. And, um, you know, maybe I look good on a, in a bikini on a beach or whatever. I don't particularly, but, um, I haven't seen it yet. So yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Count your blessings. So it's very, <laughs> very hairy, but, uh, Anyway, um, is is the yoga culture? I feel like I've written about in Elephant. Um, is is this wonderful, difficult path, but it's being kind of um, like a whale with all the barnacles all over it mm-hmm. by the kind of corporate sponsors and by Instagram culture and by the sort of superficial thing. It's like, and that's not bad. It's like, how as a yoga teacher can you make money? Because making $75 a class is, if you're teaching four classes a week, that ain't going to pay your rent or your, mm-hmm. you know, or your uh, uh, wheatgrass shots or whatever, <laughs> you know. Your green juice. Yeah. Cleanse. Your $500 Lululemon allotment. That uh, happens. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, anyway, blah, blah, blah. Well, I, I feel that that kind of segues directly into what I would call our, our three nuggets of wisdom. Mm. And I feel for our listeners who are listening at home or in their cars on the way to work or literally on the way to their next yoga class, um, what would you say are three nuggets of wisdom that you can give them to help live a more true life of self-preservation and sharing of service? Well, the first one is very difficult for Americans. Um, particularly, but most people in modern life generally, is allow the gap. So we love to walk around and be on our phone. If our, we're at lunch and a friend goes to the bathroom, we get on our phone. If we wake up in bed, we get on our phone. Mm-hmm. If we're on the toilet, we're on our phone. Allow gaps. And that's where insight can manifest like lightning strike. That's where your mind can relax. You have to take care of yourself. That's where joy can occur. You can find yourself looking at the sky or the moon or, you know. So many times I'm like downtown Boulder, which is a great community, and I'll see a friend who I haven't seen for months, and they're walking along on their phone, mm. and they don't see me, and then I don't see them for a couple more months, and we're good friends. And there's um, that's happening all the time. When you're trying to fill every inch of your life with stuff, you're missing out on a lot of connection. That's true. And uh, so allow gaps, generally. Um, Number two, I would say meditate. Meditation is kind of what yoga is for. Yoga 
traditionally. It is what yoga is Thank for. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to make a bold statement, but... Hey, yeah. I'm here to make those bold statements. Yeah. Yoga yeah. revealed. You Meditate. and Patanjali. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Patanjali talked about calming or stilling the waves of the mind. So fundamentally, if you can wake up without your phone, meditate for a couple minutes or longer, but you don't have to be hard on yourself, Maitri. You know, even a couple minutes of, as you just did in the beginning of this conversation, you know, just rest your attention on your breath. If you find yourself distracted, that's fine. Bring your attention back to the breath Mm -hmm. until you're kind of present with your breath. And then you can go on with your day. If you want to dedicate the merit of your day and of your meditation practice um, uh, before and after, that's how we Buddhist types do it. So I think but there's nothing Buddhist about it. Um, Christians, everyone has some quality of trying to, you know, Sufis of trying to connect um, with whatever you want to call it, with Buddha nature, with God, with the present moment, um, with breath. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just as a little aside, like even in the Hunger Games, you saw when Katniss was about to shoot a difficult shot, she'd really breathe very mm-hmm. deliberately. It's, that's what we do in yoga class, hopefully. And too many yoga teachers don't really teach breath and alignment and these things anymore. They yeah. teach kind of like a cool iPod playlist. <laughs> um, nothing wrong with that, but, you know, the breath is important. Yeah. Um, but you don't need to take yourself seriously. Important doesn't mean get uptight. Yeah. So, uh, and then number three, I think if I would say intention or uh, mission, if you can, if everything you do always there's some idea that you're trying to do it to be a benefit to everyone and everything, including yourself, then it, that has a very subtle but also very powerful transformative effect on your life. And then if you're experiencing melodrama or klesha, as we would call it, um, difficulty every day in your life, maybe just really focus on before you um, go to bed and when you first wake up, really just dedicating your day to everyone and everything, including yourself. Hmm. That's a really beautiful one. Hmm. Well, I didn't make it up. But. I mean, it's still beautiful nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> you well, reiterated it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, this definitely fulfills us, and I, I wish to have perhaps one quote or, mm. or one like just golden nugget that you could leave our listeners with to help them get through their path and to, to find more awareness of themselves and to be able to move into their communities and really become the service providers or the influencers that they wish to become. I can't think of the quote right now, so I'll have to create my own for once. I, I won't be able to steal from other wonderful teachers. But uh, the, the notion that... Ah, I, I got it. I remember the quote. So no, I don't, I don't actually have to make up anything. So there's a Buddhist quote that says, it's actually on our tote bags somewhere, but it says, um, if you want to be happy, which everyone wants to be, think first of others. If you want to be unhappy, think only of yourself. Mm. So it's kind of the exact opposite of what our ego thinks. If you're a jerk and aggressive to me, I want to get rid of, I want you to go away or realize how wonderful I am. That's the egotistical attitude. Mm-hmm. If you're really wonderful and kind to me, I want to cling to you and keep you close. That's the egotistical attitude. The The opposite attitude is, um, you know, that I can let go of that, to, that which uh, I'm attached to and that I can welcome in that which frightens me. 
Mm-hmm. Or, um, and that, again, I'm doing that because of my motivation, which is to think first of others. If you're going through some aggression or something, I could be like, what's going on? You know, how can I, you're having a rough day. Or what did I do? Mm-hmm. You know, let's talk about it. I can take some blame here. Um, and if uh, you're being wonderful, I don't have to like try and like control and own that. Mm-hmm. I can be like, yeah, go be wonderful everywhere and yeah. support you in that instead of like belittling you or trying to yeah. isolate you. Or trying to keep you to myself. <laughs> right. And that applies to cars. That applies to, you know, anything. Yeah. You know, we generally are very clingy to anything good and we almost ruin it because of that. We've all done that in love probably. Um, you know, you get a little jealous and a little uptight and insecure and you kind of like ruin the wonderful dance that was happening. Yeah. Totally. Anyway. Well, I truly appreciate your knowledge and your time and the wisdom that you've shared with the Yoga Revealed podcast listeners. Mm -hmm. And it brings me great joy to have you here today. And I am so honored for you and what you live and what you stand for. Mm -hmm. And I truly appreciate you. Well, likewise. And uh, thank you. And thank you belatedly for saving my arse. Yeah, Wanderlust in Hollywood. <laughs> he emceed our uh, our big event out there. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, I'm sure you're more fun anyway than I would have been. So mm. thank you so much, and thank you to your audience. Definitely. Yeah. Blessings, Waylon. Right. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the Yoga Revealed podcast. You can learn more about Waylon Lewis and his publication, Elephant Journal, at elephantjournal.com. Make sure to check out his revealingly real online show, The Walk the Talk Show, on YouTube at youtube.com slash user slash Waylon H. Lewis. And make sure to check out his new book, The Things I'd Like to Do With You. It's absolutely phenomenal. All about relationships, all about digging deep into yourself so that you can find more to share with others. And special treat, Yoga Revealers, be on the lookout for the Yoga Revealed Book Club, launching this month with special recommendations from real yogis just like you. We have a passion for expanding our knowledge and growing a conscious community with your participation. So make sure to check out our website, sign up for our newsletter, keep it real, live light, shine bright, do it big, and make your day awesome. Blessings. Peace. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 